When you first got to the varsity at Waterloo Central, who was the first person to bust your butt? Uh, I mean, I, I, the center that played next to me, we were good friends, and, and um, he had an older brother that played uh, before us, so they, he kept us in line, that's for sure. Um, and then playing-wise, we played against some, some good kids, uh, but uh, one was uh, Sweet Lou Montgomery, uh, who played uh, at Iowa. Uh, and, um, you know, he, he, was, he was a tough cat to tackle, but, uh, but uh, yeah, well, Reese Bixby, our center, was the, the kid that um, – really kept me in line so to speak we had a joke in the program i i'm sorry if i go too long but uh we were both five seven but i put five seven and a half he had five seven and a quarter it always feel like i need one more boy one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy All right, welcome back to episode, this is episode number 14 of the Team Player Podcast I know uh, this guest has been listening from the beginning We kind of joked around at the beginning, I didn't know it was going to even last a couple episodes But here we are, we're still chugging along, we got some, we got some faithful followers But this is a special one special one for me in my coaching career. This is the guy that I consider my mentor, gave me a shot, taught me how to, you know, raise the ranks that, that I was able to go to. It's nowhere near his resume, nowhere near his career. Uh, but our guest today, longtime Texas high school head football coach, really this, the claim to fame was at Ridgepoint High School. He started the program there, and now he is the head football coach, campus athletic coordinator at Belton High School. Welcome to the show, Brett Sniffen. Hey, good to be here. Yes, sir. If you're a part of the team player movement, please make sure you have given us a five-star rating. We've got uh, 24 on Spotify and 18 on Apple Podcasts. Not, not bad for a little podcast like ours. Keep them coming. If you're listening, it takes 10 seconds. Please give us that five-star rating that helps more people find the show. Um, no new reviews this week, but if you leave a review, I've been reading them. So leave one in there. We'll read it on the next episode of the show. Hit the follow button to subscribe and get all the latest episodes in your queue as soon as they come out. We'd be honored if the team player podcast made it into your rotation. Keep up with the team player podcast updates by following me on Twitter at coach underscore Kovo. That's coach underscore K O V O. All right, coach. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Let's dive into it. This is one, this is the first one where like, I didn't really need you to send me the answers to your, your bio. Cause I know yeah. so much about you. I've known you for a long time. So I knew that you were, you, you grew up in Waterloo, Iowa, rocking the Iowa Hawkeyes Jersey for you today in your honor. So just tell us, you know, Texans, what it was like growing up in Waterloo. Uh, well, actually, it's not much different than growing up or being here in Belton, Texas, to be honest with you. Yeah. I always say Belton kind of reminds me of my hometown. Uh, just working class people who worked in a factory at uh, John Deere for the most part. Um, you know, slower pace of life. Um, you know, we detasseled corn in the summer for jobs, which uh, uh, most people probably never heard of. But uh, you walk in the fields and you pluck the top part of the corn so uh, the male corn could pollinate the female corn. 
I taught you a little bit of sex education while you're out there in the cornfield too, but, uh, yeah, yeah. but, uh, we do that for about five bucks an hour in the summer and make us money that last all, all through the thing. And, you know, five bucks to fill up our tank of gas back then too, but, uh, yes, sir. but, uh, it was, it was, it was good times. And this is another team player first. I don't know if this will ever happen again. Our, our last guest was Kevin Swift. I don't know if, if anyone's, if you've been able to listen to that episode, but he also went to UNI. We'll get to that in a little bit. I know you were there for you know a time as well. So we have two straight uh, guests that were on, uh, on campus there in Cedar Falls. But, you know, so you're growing up in Waterloo. Uh, you attended Central High School, but also like Coach Swift, your dad was a coach. Just, you know, and so just talk a little bit about that growing up as a coach's kid. Yeah, I mean, my dad coached um, at uh, actually at the start at the school I was at, and then you know went to a small town, uh, two small towns after that. But uh, you know, it's just somebody you could go home to and and, and talk about the game, and and um, just gives you a little more knowledge and a little more insight, and you get to see all the other stuff that goes part of coaching. Besides, I think some people get into coaching and think it's just football, but there's laundry and mowing yep. and lines and uh, you know, parking lot duty and graduation and, you know, all right, sorts yep. of crazy things that we do. Um, and we do it because we love kids and, um, you know, that's just, it rubs off on you a little bit. And my oldest boy is about to dive into that. He's student teaching next year up in Lubbock area. And that's awesome. I'm uh, going to be a math teacher coach too. Love it. I, I actually did not know that. So that, that's great news. I'm so happy to hear that. Um, so now, you know, you talked about Waterloo central. sounds like you played some tough opponents. What, what was it like on the gridiron? Were you guys pretty successful? Were you able to advance deep into the playoffs? Or what was that experience like? Uh, no, never touched a playoff game. But uh, yeah, <laughs> our biggest claim to fame, we were three and one uh, my senior year uh, going into a tough game against uh, uh, Waterloo Columbus. And um, uh, we came close. Uh, we lost and, and um, the season tanked from there. And we finished <laughs> three and six <laughs> yeah. nine games. But uh did play against some good competition. Uh, uh, a couple guys that uh, people may have heard of. Um, well, one we played in baseball, and that's the athletic director at the University of Nebraska, uh, Trev Alberts. We played against him in baseball. Uh, and then Chris Kleiman, the head coach at Kansas State. Um, we, uh, my junior year, we chased him around as he was quarterback at Waterloo Columbus uh, before he went on to Northern Iowa to have a good career. Yeah, now that, that reminds me because I, if, and again, I, I, we didn't talk about your your resume, you know, before the show, but I remember you, you're at you and I, but I also remember, I believe you played JUCO baseball. Is, is that correct? Or what, what was your college path? Yeah, so I, um, I actually loved the, the game of baseball growing up. I'd be the kid that uh, went to the minor league games in our, in our town and yeah. kept the book uh, and uh, did that at home for Cub games when I you know, first got cable. Uh, and then, I just love the sport. So I, I played uh, Juco baseball at uh, Ellsworth Community College. Yep. Uh, had a cleanup um, behind uh, the guy who actually led the nation uh, in hitting in Juco baseball, Dan Capriba, who's now a coach in, in Iowa at North Tama. Uh, then Dan uh, went on to Louisville and, and then um, actually made him a, a mistake and crossed the picket lines during a baseball strike. and. Uh, then a week later, they saw they um, came together out of the strike, and then he got blackballed for being a yeah. for crossing over. Yeah. Uh, so that was the end of his career. Um, but it, it was fun playing college baseball. And then from there, I gave it a shot at Northern Iowa, but uh, all I could do was hit. Uh, yeah. I don't feel very well. My arm sucks. And, 
and obviously I don't run fast. So um, my career was, was over after that. And then obviously, you know, you made your way down. Well, actually, I take that back. I remember you telling me a story about you started coaching in Iowa. Remember you telling me about the Polar Bear yeah. Club? You, so where did your coaching <laughs> career start? You remember that? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. So, you know, in Iowa, like most other states, you don't have to be an employee of the school district to coach. So uh, I coached at uh, Hudson, Iowa. It's just right down the road. Okay. I'm very fortunate to catch lightning in the bottle like I have at a couple other places. That's right. Great group of kids came through. And um, it's not often the 1A school in Iowa has three kids signed football scholarships, but we did. Um, so, you know, we rode those guys for a couple of years. And, and um, you know, one ended up playing in um, Canada for a little bit and then actually ended up being a professional rugby player in Europe. Uh, and another one um, is a vet now as a doc. Yeah, so it's pretty cool with those kids, but uh, won a state title there, and and then you know by the time I finished my degree, um, I just didn't want to live in my hometown. You know, I've been there the whole time and wanted to explore a little bit, and I went to a teacher fair, and then actually it was a similar climate to what it is now that there's such a teacher shortage um, that people were coming up from the south to to grab uh, northern uh, teachers. So I went to a teacher fair and actually wanted to go to Arizona. But truth be told, the, the line was too long for the Phoenix area. So <laughs> my buddy stood in line and got a job there. But I, I, I went to Texas because I don't like standing in lines. Uh, I had like I four job offers right there and and uh, went to Lamar Consolidated. Well, that, wow, that, that that's news to me, Coach. I don't remember that story. So, you know. Oh, I got a plan. I didn't tell you. Five, yeah, five, five district titles later at, at Ridgepoint, you know, that, that may not have been, I guess, had you, had you gotten that other line, but we're, we're glad that you came down to Texas. Um, yeah, I remember, and it's all coming back to me now. I, I see in your background, you do have that Hudson Hawks, uh, you know, some photos, you know, a picture of the team, kind of the emblem. I always remember seeing that in your office. You got, you got your high school helmet back there, the Waterloo Central Chargers. So just, I can really feel the pride, you know, for your home state and level football played in the Midwest. I mean, it's just still great football for sure. But you, you come down to Texas. I remember you kind of telling me the story of you've started the middle school ranks and it was kind of a situation where you're coming off winning a state championship. You know, like you said, you're, you're playing with guys that are still play professional sports. I mean, and all of a sudden you come to Texas and, your only option was middle school. Was it, was it difficult to humble yourself to, to do that? What, what was that transition like to, to have, have that experience? Well, I, when I got the job offer up there, it was for teaching. And they told me, if you wanted to coach, you got to go interview with the uh, athletic director named Sonny Jackson, who was uh, famous for coaching in Louisiana. Um, they said, whatever you do, don't tell them you're from north of the Red River. Uh, so <laughs> I went in there and because I guess they've been burned by some Midwestern coaches before oh, okay. that uh, took off and didn't have the work ethic and all that good stuff. So I went in there and, and, um, you know, got a job and I, I didn't, I wasn't big time. I mean, I was, we were one, a school. We had four coaches on our staff when we went state. So went to the middle school and we, I think we had five so it was yeah. more coaches than I was used to being around. Uh, but I, they, some of those guys were lifers in the middle school. Uh, and, and so I just said, I'll take the C team and leave me alone and I'll go by the tree here and practice uh, and we'll have some fun. Uh, and we did. And you know, I think well, we lost like two games in two years with C team kids and and got after it. And then I, I moved up to the high school after that. Yeah, I, I recall wasn't uh, the Ridgepoint golf coach, Coach Crookshank, one of your alums off of that team? <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, I don't yeah. know if he was on the C team or when I got to the Marcus Sully High School. Sure. My memory's a little vague there. Sure, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. no, that's awesome. It's funny you say that 
that, that, you know, they got burned by a couple of Midwesterners, at least in my experience, it's been the exact opposite. Like people like yourself, I'm sure you'd agree with coach Dober. I mean, there, there's, I've met so many great coaches from the Midwest that have come down here. So I, I've seen the opposite, but you know, so, sorry to hear that. I guess they had that bad experience, but again, glad, glad you came down here. So once you jumped up to the high school level at, at LC Lamar consolidated, what, what was that like now you're, now you're doing like big time Texas football. What was, what was that kind of experience yeah. for you? Um, well, first of all, I called people back home and said, you wouldn't believe this. There's 14 coaches on the staff. <laughs> you believe what the hell, why, why they need so many, but, uh, I'm glad they did. And they took me. Um, but it was just, I mean, I, I'll never forget my first, um, first scrimmage, um, the market Saturday scrimmage in North forest, which is, oh, what's the name of that school now up there? Uh, well, it's now it's called North forest. Forest Smiley or forest Brook at the time. Forest Brook. Yeah. Okay. We were scrimmaging forest Brook. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was just a lowly coach and, and I had to do something, go in the locker room and, and I walk in and the bus driver for Forest Brook shooting craps with the, with the varsity kids before they took the field in the, in the, in the locker room. I was like, oh man. So after the first play, the Forest Brook coaches run up and, and just start MF and all their players. And I was blown away by all that. And, and, you know, thankfully I, I haven't seen that, uh, much since, but, uh, it was, sure. it was a different culture shock for sure, uh, for the Midwestern boy. Uh, just the contact, the physicality of it all was was uh, amazing. Uh, that first, that first scrimmage and that first you know uh, year, watching all that stuff unfold, and then then just getting used to it. Um, and um, you know, coaches coaching. If you, you you know, no matter where you're from, if the kids believe in you or believe in your staff and and, and what you do, then then they'll play hard for you, and good things will happen. What in what time frame were you there? Were you were you there for? The beginning of your quiz or what, what? I don't recall. Oh, um, so I left um, with his brothers after his brother's freshman year. Okay. So he was an eighth grader when I left the market. I see. And this is where the story picks up to where I, I really started to get to know you better. You, you, you come on to Clements and, you know, you were there before I was. And Clements is one of those things. I, I'm an Austin. I'm, I'm a Fort Bend kid. I, I graduated from Austin. So. I know Clemens had some success with one of Barry Campbell's teams in the nineties and played Katie in the Astrodome, but at least in, in the two mid or, you know, two thousands, it was kind of a down period. All of a sudden Jeff Hume comes in and suddenly I'm, I'm, I'm looking back at these box scores while I'm in college. I'm seeing like, wow, Clemens, really? You know, and you were a part of that staff and part of that turnaround. So can you describe what the feeling was when you got to Clemens and joined coach Hume staff? Uh, it was pretty awesome. Well, first of all, I worked for his uh, father-in-law in the market Saturday. That's how I got the job. Okay. Um, I needed a, a fresh start at a new place. Um, you know, Coach Wade kept telling me he was going to retire, and he never did. And so I couldn't take his place. So then I just mm -hmm. I went off and, and, and tried something new. And so I went with Coach Hume, and and uh, it was it was first of all the staff got along just absolutely amazing. Uh, and that 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 yep. pretty much vaulted it. And then, like I talked about catching lightning in a bottle, uh, we had, you know, just great class that came through. Uh, and there's no other way to put it. Uh, and we think I thank those kids all the time because it wasn't for those kids coming through. Yeah. There's a lot of us that uh, wouldn't be head coaches right now uh, because of those kids and all those kids that came through at Clements. You know, first of all, those kids are all smart. Yeah, um, they're they come from educated parent background. Uh, they related well to adults. They talked to us, um, you know, easily. Um, they, then they listened to us and believed us. And then, and like I said, just caught lightning in the bottle. And then uh, having the quarterback that came in uh, probably helped a little bit too. 
Yeah. Derek Carr for our listeners that, that, that weren't aware Derek Carr, you know, was a member of that Clements uh, Rangers squad there. Uh, so another interesting thing that coaches may, may not really be aware of, can you describe the structure of the staff? You know, it's something a little bit unique. It was a six man staff. Um, of course, you know, Jeff Hume was the head coach, Barry Campbell. It was the offensive coordinator. He's become a head coach. Now part of your staff, he was head coach at Kingwood, uh, Keith Knowles also went on to a head coach like yourself. He took over at Clements, um, Kevin Bird, who's now he's a, a assistant principal, you know, he's a still, still, you know, moving up into leadership ranks, Jerry Edwards, a successful head coach in central Texas and yourself, you know, so those six were kind of were the, the varsity staff and all, again, all of you have gone on to really successful careers in coaching and education. So that's a little different, right? You know, and you coach both sides of the ball, the, the six that I've mentioned. So just describe to coaches listening, what that was like and, and how you felt about it. Yeah. When I first got there, we also had Bill Gary. I'm Bill um, Gary. Okay. Um, before uh, Bird yeah. uh, and Bill was awesome. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, well, it was not anything different that I wasn't used to in Iowa. I coached right. both sides of the ball. So um, at the Markets all day, we didn't, but I got back there and we did. And, and uh, I always remember Coach Hume said, that's because there's not that many good coaches. So if you, if you got a few, then you got to use them on both sides of the ball. Sure. <laughs> uh, I always thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, but, um, and that sometimes I agree with them. Uh, but, uh, you know, like I said, we got along well, great kids uh, came through, um, you know, uh, Chris Lenore running back, um, didn't do anything in college. I don't think he attended a, a class when he got there. Uh, but then it was my job to make sure that he attended all the classes at high school and, and got it done. But he was a, such a good running back um, and compliment to what we had offensive linemen, uh, workman class uh, defense with two safeties that, um, ran a five flat 40, but, uh, could read cover two, like nobody's business and got where they were supposed to be. Uh, it was just, like I said, just a great group and a great experience. Still look back at it. It was one of the best times of my life. You know, one of the things I remember you talking about coach was your, your pride in your position group. And I remember you coached the corners and, you know, uh, we, we played a kind of a physical brand of, of corner that we were getting hands on. And I remember you told a story one time that Coach Hume, you know, came by and, and made some kind of comment about the way that you're coaching or, or your group or their, their level of, of, of physicality. And he talked about how that you took that to heart. And I think Coach Hume probably did that on purpose. But, you know, just talk about that, that dynamic of, of your pride of your position group. And that's something I think young coaches should really listen to and, and, and take to heart. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, you know, nobody likes to have their group yelled at because they're not <laughs> right. doing something right. So. And yes, he did it on purpose. That's his, <laughs> his odd way of uh, motivating. Uh, but uh, yeah, he came by and, you know, started getting on or just started coaching him probably. And it kind of ticked me off. I'm like, he trusts me to coach his guests. So then I just dug in a little deeper and coached a little harder. Kids probably didn't like it. Sure. Uh, I just dug in a little deeper and coached a little harder. But the worst thing about Coach Hume was is not, he, he was before segment timers. So you drop the schedule and you plan for you know, a 15 minute individual. Next thing you know, it's like 30 minutes later, are we ever going to group? Uh, but uh, sometimes I think you get to talking over there and forget we were still coaching, but, uh, but you it know, all worked out. Um, yeah. And, you know, he, he motivated us in his way and, and it worked and, you know, and when the one good thing is, 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 you know, if you're adults and you, and you get after each other and you, you disagree or something like that, at the end of the day, it's all for the best for the kids. So you, your team is one going out. You know, in the Ben Moran episode, he talked about how, in, again, he played at Tomball Memorial, so we actually we coached against him when he was a player. He talked about the best coaches are the ones that, that strike that balance between 
friendly and approachable yet able to strike the fear of God in you and, and hold you accountable. And I, I would describe that as coach Hume. He was super friendly, gregarious, kind of big guy. He played that King of the King of the Hill with Kyle Hoke all the time and would wrestle around with the kids and stuff. And, you know, the kids love them. He's a kid magnet. But at the same time, I recall after one of our playoff games in the rain, I think we'd beaten Westbrook coach was getting upset about how long it was taking to load our lucky bench onto the bus. <laughs> there was some ball boys taking forever trying to load it. I remember Coach Hume picking up this bench by himself, throwing it over like a 12-foot fence. <laughs> and so, you know, he had that ability. So just, just to give Coach Hume his flowers, because he obviously was, is, is still, and, you know, he's just a great coach, did a great turnaround Clemens. Just anything else you want to say about Coach Hume before we move on from him? Yeah, I mean, uh, the best thing to me is, is when I got the job at Ridgepoint, he wrote me a handwritten letter. and Yeah. I kept it beside my desk for a long time. And I think the best advice he had gave me out of that whole thing was let your coaches coach. Yeah. Um, you hire them for a reason, you know, don't micromanage. Um, you know, you want to motivate them as well, but um, let them coach. And if you see something they're doing wrong, you know, just correct it and try to point them in the right direction, but uh, let your coaches coach and it worked. And, and, and yes, he has a unique style of, of for people to follow him. And I don't know, you know, can't put a thumb on it, but people have and, and do. And, and uh, he's been very successful with that. And again, for coaches listening, the, the power of that, that handwritten note. I remember when I left to join, to follow you to Ridgepoint, he gave me a book, you know, and just little, little things like that, that are, that are small in some ways are actually really powerful and show that you care. So I, th I think that's definitely uh, really impressive there. And you've, you've mentioned the cohesion of the staff. I definitely felt it as someone coming in new on the outside. I was a freshman B team coach. Uh, me and coach Aiken were man of the B team down there at Clements. You know, I could sense it. I could sense it at the after part. And then, again, maybe not everyone has coaches parties after the game. I don't know if everyone does that. I'm always used to have done that being from that tree. And I just, you, you took it to Ridgepoint. We just had these great parties. Even when you're tired after a, a long night, there was something special about that. What are your thoughts on those, those coaches, families, after parties, after the games? I think they're important because um, for one, we're, we grind away a, a lot of hours. Uh, and, and after the game, you know, hopefully you got some good stories to tell the week or, or whatever, or the plays you can talk or you can make fun of somebody for something. <laughs> right. I mean, you just are unwinding. Um, it's, it's some of the best um, memories and times I have and I, and still here, um, you know, we do it. Um, it. Sometimes it gets harder if you're, especially in the Houston area, when you're coaching in a place and it, it happened late in the career at Ridgepoint where coaches are living so far away from where they're working sure. Sure. Uh, that they don't get to attend. And, and with that, and if they do, you know, their families don't get to attend because they got young kids that they have to drive long distance to, get them to bed or whatever. But I think it's important too, that the families are involved, that they get to see, uh, you know, what dad does and, 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 you know, grow up around that. I think it's a cool atmosphere. One other memory, last thing about kind of Clements before we move on that I have was I, I, I was, I was a freshman B team coach. You know, my role was while you guys were working game planning, I was typically washing jerseys, hanging up jerseys, you know, uh, in, in, in the equipment room or, or breaking tagging film. But I, whenever I would finish, you know, coach Hume was always nice enough to invite me to sit in there. So I'd sit in the back of the office and watch, you know, and, and learn and try to listen. I always remember from you, you were the special teams coordinator. And I just remember, I always remember you talking about that you brought an aggressive kind of mentality towards special teams. I always remember um, the kickoff return, 
you know, you, you had a bingo call where you're trying to, anytime, you know, somebody would kind of do a pooch kick, you were trying to maximize the return there. You didn't want to just fair catch it. So just any thoughts about that for coaches listening and as far as from the t- special teams aspect and, and mentality there that from, from those times. Well, I think it's just a chance to, you know, win you a ball game and, and steal mm-hmm. you some points. Um, that year that both us and, and Clements, that is, and Hightower reached the regional final, uh, we beat Hightower by two points. The two points was a block punt out of the back of the end zone in the first yep. quarter. Yep. Um, you know, those special teams win games. I think um, that year we went 13-1 at Clements. We won seven games by seven points or less. Yes. And, um, you know, that's special teams. Um, you know, we got a surprise onside in the playoff game. Um, you know, it just, it, it's, it's such a, a big deal to, to take that. And, and, you know, I was given that responsibility. And of course, if I'm given that responsibility, I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability. Uh, you need to do that whatever you do. Now, that's your team. You know, if it's running backs, that's your team. Uh, coach them to the best of your ability and make them the number one unit that, that, that there is. Um, and so that was what we did. And, you know, I, I still try to do that um, here. Uh, this year we, we, we had a block, punt blocked against us and it didn't, <laughs> they came after it again and it, we weren't very good at, at protecting. Uh, but uh, we've also had some good times too on special teams. So, um, you know, you just got to make sure you take it to heart. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up that one, the, the seven games with the one score, because as great as those kids were, I think a lot of people may not understand that we weren't so talented to where we could overwhelm people. Like I, I clearly remember the first game of the season, we played an Owen became an Owen 10 seven lakes team and had to come from behind to win that game in the rain to open the season. You know what I mean? Like, so even, even against lower level teams, it wasn't, it wasn't always gonna be a blowout the way that we played. Just, can you, can you just speak to that a little bit? Have we, we just kind of always found that way to win these close games, even though we couldn't necessarily overwhelm teams. Well, I think um, you, you always, first of all, you want to start out your season. Well, you know, you want to start out winning games and all that kind of stuff. But the, 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 the point, I think, of playing football and coaching football is that they get better each week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they improve their skills, and, and, and the coaches get better to figure out what their team does, uh, and they get better each week. I mean, when we went to the state semis at Ridgepoint, we were 0-2 to start the year. Um, you know, we got better each week and, and improved, and that was the same thing with those kids. Now, also, that first game, Lenore wasn't playing, so right. <laughs> we had yeah. a <laughs> – a little bitty running back in there and he, he popped one there to win it for us late. But, um, you know, it, it's just, it, just get better each week and, and uh, continue to strive to do what you can do. Um, and you know, hopefully at the end of the day or the end of the season, you know, it turns out well for you. And, you know, so you, you started kind of sowing your oats there and really gaining good reputation at, you know, at Clements with your, your role as an assistant and as a special teams coordinator. And then we move on to the Ridgepoint chapter of your life. And this is, this is what you're best known for. Uh, you know, I remember that I had the good fortune. Actually, I was next to you in the T-Shacks. It was you and me next to each other. And then Coach Farley, the, the old uh, longtime basketball coach, <laughs> was across the hallway. And so we had our T-Shacks. So that's how you and I got to kind of know each other and spend some more time together. And now you get the job. And this isn't to just self-deprecate myself or anything, but you kind of had to put together you, – you, your hands were tied a little bit on, on, the, on the filling out of a staff. A little bit. A lot of it. I mean, you, yeah. you, you, in 25 – yeah, go <laughs> you, you know, Go ahead, Coach. Well, I mean, so you get to be the head coach and you talk to guys your whole life. You know, this happens. I'll take you here, do this. And it's a riff. Uh, yeah. And the school district only allows you to hire people within your school district. Right. right. And then – 
when you put those pieces together, they tell you, oh, by the way, now you can only take so many from this school. Yep. So I was like, okay. So I basically had about, I don't know, less than a minute to, to decide some guy's future. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that's the way you do business, but that's right. I'm not here to complain about those people. Um, yeah. But uh, so I had basically, you were offensive line coach and I moved you to defensive coordinator in about 30 seconds uh, because I, I knew your passion for kids uh, and I exactly. wanted that. And you had a lot of energy back then anyway. I don't know about you now, but uh, <laughs> back then you had a lot of energy and I needed that because uh, we had a long road to hoe uh, to start that program. Um, so I just feel bad for the guys that, you know, we talked about and didn't get it. And even Coach Darnell, I mean, Coach Darnell yes. was introduced. I remember that. And that staff. And then and next thing you know, he gets the rug pulled out from under him. It's, it was just bad business, if you ask me. I don't care if you're in a rift or not. It's not the way you do things. Um, but, it, you know, it worked out for us uh, because I, I think the people that I did get to select, um, you know, you uh, and a couple others, uh, I mean, we got lucky with uh, Coach Dover yeah. um, that uh, it, it really helped us um, set the tone uh, for what, you know, they're doing now and what we did at the end there at Ridgepoint. You know, and, but again, I mean, as, as I appreciate the kind words, but I mean, in terms of experience, obviously you, you really were kind of had the deck stacked against you on the experience. You had a younger, kind of a younger staff. Some of the guys that you had brought in with more experience, like you mentioned coach Darnell, I remember him getting introduced at Baines, <laughs> you know, just getting the rug pulled on that, you know, which was obviously Bobby was going to become a huge part of the success at Ridgepoint, which we can get to in a little bit, but I think another thing that people don't realize when they've seen all the success that you had at Ridgepoint, the way that it actually was at the very beginning in terms of yeah. the number of players. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? I think a lot of people that's, aren't aware. That's the most proud thing I have. Um, yes. And it wasn't me. It was us. I mean, right. And, yes, um, but uh, I'll never forget. So I get the job and then second semester, I get to have an office upstairs at, at uh, Mercer for a while. And then I moved over to Hall. Um, and basically I'm sitting there going, well, what do I do next? You know? <laughs> so I, I go to the, the athletic periods for Hightower and Elkins because that's where we're getting kids from. And at Elkins, there were, I think, seven or eight kids <laughs> that were going to Ridgepoint to play football. And then I go to Hightower and there were two sitting in the hallway. They didn't even let them work out, which yeah. I don't know why that was fair. They just sat them in the hallway. And then there were two more that were at alternative school that were coming. I'm like, yay. Uh, so basically I couldn't even do anything football wise. I, the Hightower kids that we just ran the stairs there to, to Hobson, which was quite big and did some calisthenics and things of that nature. Elkins, we did go out and throw the pigskin around a little bit um, and just get familiar with each other. But then I remember that summer, uh, I believe me and you, we got the list of every boy that was going to be a sophomore in school there. And we called them all. And I, I still have that picture on my wall because I can't believe the ragtag bunch uh, that yeah. we put together for that. And I got, I'm so glad we didn't have to go to varsity first year. Oh, I know. Uh, I'll never yeah. forget. We out of uh, that out of that group, I, and there were only a couple that made it uh, to their senior year because we were correct. very fortunate that the freshman class that came in behind them uh, was loaded with outstanding talent, and outstanding human beings. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I look at that 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 photo and like shake my head. I don't know, I don't know how we we did this. I, I definitely did want that to be in the show that the story of that we did call every single boy in the school. It was and every all hands on deck. You know, and, and some people start schools now and they win right away and, and, you know, good. I'm glad they did. They do. I mean, it's nice to have success like that. But I guarantee you there ain't a one of them to start like we did. 
Yeah. Uh, I'll never forget. We, we played Kentner's <laughs> sophomore team one time. They ran a quarterback sneak for like a 35 yard gain. <laughs> so I just knew we needed to get the off season and get stronger. So that uh, definitely some fond memories there. So that any, any other advice for coaches listening? Cause you had that unique experience of not only your first head coaching job, you started a new school. So that's very unique. So other, other coaches listening that are, that are in that position with all these new schools being built to start a new program, what advice would you give to them in terms of, things you look back on or what advice you have as far as starting a brand new school? Uh, first of all, it's going to age you. <laughs> you. You have to be the energy, the pulse, the, the, the everything of the school. You got to be the face of it. You got to get out there and, and it wears you, wears you down pretty good, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first year's excitement and it's first, this is first, that's first. And everything's great. Uh, the second year, you know, we started with freshmen, sophomores, and moved our way to two years before we were varsity, which I, I firmly believe is the way to, the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, <clears throat> so the second year is kind of almost now it's getting a little boring during some of the games because you sure. are now. Yeah. You know, we had a good class come through and the other kids were there long enough that we, we got them right. And, and uh, you now are so much better in the JV teams you're playing. Right. Uh, that, that got to be boring. I do remember, I don't know if you remember this, so what we do is instead of scout other opponents, we'd go and find the best games in the area to go watch. I don't yeah. know if you remember that. That's fun. So we could see, we could see, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we could see how good programs did things. Uh, so we'd, we'd circle some games and then we'd go watch them and and um, eat some popcorn. And, and uh, you know, I remember Lamarck and and, uh, and Texas City when they both were rolling. And we watched that game and, yep. and saw some good stuff. But, um you know, the best advice is just be patient um, and understand, uh, you know, it's hard. Um, it's hard to get it. And I, I don't think there's anybody that started a school that wouldn't say that as well. Um, it's just, it's difficult to keep that energy and excitement going for the next years after. And I think that goes with winning anyway. I think it, the easy part's getting to the top, the hard part's sustaining it at the top. Um, yeah. And I think that's difficult. That's, one of the reasons why I'm here is I want to get these guys uh, to the top and we're, we're starting to slowly make that climb. Absolutely. So you, you, we get to, you mentioned with the first two years of sub varsity play, we get to varsity play at Ridge point. I know a lot of former Panthers are going to be listening to this. So they, they want to look back on, on these seasons. <laughs> we, we, it was a five and six overall season. We ended up going four and three in district. I just, my memory of it was just a roller coaster. This, you know uh, we, we did have, a, we're playing a lot of sophomores, and it just was, we'd have ups and we'd have downs, especially defensively. We weren't very consistent at the time. It's something I was striving to become a better coach and, and get my guys playing better. But what's your recollection of that first year? It ended with a really thrilling kind of overtime, uh, not overtime, you see a playoff game against North Forest. It's in a really exciting kind of back and forth game, which we lost 41 to 23. But what are your memories from that inaugural foray into varsity football? Um, well, first of all, I think I fired you like three times. I, yes. I, <laughs> my, my job security was not good. I have a bad habit of firing coordinators during games, but I always forget to switch the button over so they can't hear me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's all, it's all cause I love them. Uh, yes, sir. But um, I think the, the best thing about that first year was how much we improved. Yeah. I, 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 I talked to people around here about our first game against clear Creek and we went through, we were on our third quarterback and the kid had been here like week and a half to two weeks from California uh, and he threw an interception. The guy who picked it off ran right beside him. Uh, he wanted no part of it. Uh, and, and Clear Creek was, they, they were hitting and they were, it was like, oh, <laughs> these boys were like, oh, 
I think we kind of ticked them off too because we scored on that trick play to, to first play in Rich Point. Brilliant. Eastern. And you, that was all you, you called that in. I mean, <laughs> that was a great way to start Rich we Point. We practiced for three years. I mean, for yep. God's sake. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know why that yeah. happened. But no, but it was, that was awesome to start that way. But it was all downhill from there yeah. <laughs> that first week. Um, but for where we were from there to where we finished, that, that, uh, is that Forest Brook, they were 10 and 0. And, yeah. And, um, you know, and, and coach had, uh, had a great and former Iowa player. Matter of fact, plus Atkins, uh, had a great, um, uh, team there that he had put together. Um, and, uh, we went out and we, we battled them, man. We battled yeah. them hard and we had a good game plan. And these kids just gave everything they had and those seniors that were with us for four years and through the beginning to the end, I, I think they can look back on that game with pride. Uh, it was pretty cool. We didn't win. Um, but uh, it was very successful, and I think it slingshotted us uh, for what happened after that. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of the, the change into the next year, so we, we, we did have that, that group that was sophomores during our first season that we knew we kind of targeted when they were eighth graders in middle school. We knew they were going to be something special. No, so now they're juniors going, yeah, going into that second year. On the defensive side of the ball, we, we were struggling. I, you, you know, you, you jokingly say you fired me three times. I, I would say it's with cause. You know, we weren't playing well. <laughs> And I was still struggling to find an identity defensively. I know you and I had talked initially. You're a big Iowa Hawkeyes fan. They were running a really great 4-3 defense at the time. I watched a lot of tapes, studied a lot of things from that, and was trying to kind of model it around that. Just wasn't fitting our personnel. You talked about potentially going to a three-man front. And I always say this. I have so much respect for Elliot Allen. He would, you know... I know he's, I think he's an assistant AD somewhere in central Texas now, yeah, but he was a, the... He's an AD at Bastrop. He's AD at Bastrop. Okay. And he was the head coach at Stratford at the time. We're going into the district of these guys. But I'll never forget one day after practice, Coach Ruthard and I, we were both bachelors at the time, you know, and so we didn't have anything to do. <laughs> we, we drive to Port Arthur for a, a GHFCA clinic. And it's, it's, it's uh, hosted, of course, by the Port Arthur Memorial coaches. Stratford's presenting on their defense. And literally the only coach that showed up were Port Arthur Memorial coaches and Stratford coaches. So coach Ruthard and I were the only people to attend this clinic, like on a Tuesday night, uh, JHFCA. And the cool thing was though, coach Allen and his staff showed us everything. And I just really, I, I'd admired them from afar. I remember they were in the playing at Reliant, you know, playoff game. I was just liking what I saw. I, I could see they were signaling something behind their backs to the safeties, like outside backwards where I was like, what's going, something's going on. I just like this level of communication. I asked them about it. He told me everything, what they were doing. And so I just have so much respect for that. But I think defensively, once we were able to install that system with your blessing, which I, I presented it to you, you, you liked it. We started moving that direction. We saw a big uptick in defense and the players help, of course, but we, now we had an identity. So how did you feel about that second year as now, you know, after kind of being a, a 500 team, that second year at Ridgepoint, I mean, we go end up with nine and three records, six and one in district. Just did you, did you feel the tide turning or what were your thoughts that, of that season? Well, first of all, the defense, I mean, yeah, we needed to change because of the type of kids we had. And we had more athletic, smaller kids. So I think the three, four fit is better. And I remember we listened to Stratford and we went to the port and we went to Katie. That's right. And, and probably took a little bit of something from them, but most of it was uh, was Stratford's defense. That's right. There's no yeah. doubt about it. And, and that should be the biggest form of flattery, right, is when you copy from them. But um, the, the, the whole thing and that year turned around when we, the year before the first year we played Marshall, I think it was 52 to seven or 52 to six or 56, seven, something like that. 51, seven, just looking it up right now. Yes, sir. Uh, they smoked us. Yeah. Uh, and it was bad. Cause I mean, I don't even know how we scored. It must've been another trick play. Cause we couldn't do anything. And then we come back and we play them next year and we beat them. 
Um, and you know, James Williams always has a good team. Yes. Uh, and, and, and we had a, a kid that looked like Opie Taylor, uh, catch that, um, that, uh, RPO or whatever it was that slant pass, uh, over the middle and got sandwiched, flipped upside down and held on the ball. Yeah. I'm um, still playing uh, professional baseball in right. Frisco right now, Jack's Biggers. Yep. Uh, he caught that ball. And then I think that was, uh, crazy the way we reacted. I don't know if you remember too, in the first quarter, uh, we had the ball, um, probably our own 15, 16 yard line on fourth and one. And we went for it and got it. Yeah. Um, I don't like the punt. That's your uh, calling card going for it on fourth down. And yeah, <laughs> I, I need to have a better percentage, but, uh, but, yeah. uh, we, we got it. And, uh, and then, uh, Tolbert had a big interception. Yep. Um, that, you know, he actually blew the coverage and, but, uh, he made up, he, he didn't cover the right guy, but he made yeah. up for somebody else. And, yeah. And it made a great interception. Uh, and, and the crowd that we had too, the fans, uh, it was awesome. And it kind of, you could tell the stunned look on their faces. Uh, you know, that we rose up, nobody at Fort Bend, I think would challenge them. And, and we did. And, uh, just some kids made clutch plays after clutch play. And, and that, I think just kind of, you know, got us rolling towards the season there. Yeah. Coach, the story I always like to tell about that particular game and hopefully some athletes and players listen to this and, and, and learn from this, that, like you said, we lost 51 to seven. They, they totally owned us. They were in our heads. They physically dominated us the year before. I remember early in the game, you know, we're, we're excited. We feel we're better on defense. Now we, we got our, our, our class of juniors. We feel good. Devon Crookshank, their stellar running back on, I think it's the first drive bust a long run touchdown. And I was preparing myself on the sideline that I, I felt like I need to get ready to, to meet him, meet him out on the numbers, the hash, get out there, encourage him. Hey, hustle out the field, hustle the field. I didn't have to do that. I thought they'd be hanging their heads. Every single one of them hustled off the field. And we got back to the bench and said, coach, we got you. We're good. And I, it just totally floored me. And it gave me that sense of confidence. It's, we're just going right back at it. And it was at that moment, I knew we're going to win this game. And I don't know. I just love telling that story. So for any athletes, just that a lot of it is mental. It really is. Just that, that, that group had that mental fortitude to just get right back up. Yeah. I think that's the biggest lesson you can teach kid in football. And that's I, to me, it's what makes football the greatest sport is you have a, you know, hundred and some plays that you play out there and you're going to win one, you're going to lose one. How do you react after you lose a play? You know, either the guy beat you physically, the team did something against you. How do you react? Do you, I mean, do you shake it off and, and forget about it and play the next play as hard as you can? Or do you let that fester in your head? And when kids let that fester in their head and they make it a personal game, then it's over. But those kids that could forget about that, not make it personal, right? Celebrate with your teammates. Next play mentality. Um, man, once they get that figured out, uh, you got a chance to beat anybody. You know, we move on to the and I'm, I'm really focusing on these seasons because I was a part of them too. I think we'll go a little faster through your other seasons after I departed, <laughs> but you know, th this season here uh, in 2014 was just a special one. I think all of us would, that were on that part of that team would say that uh, it ended at 12 and one was, you know, 12 and zero, and, and, and dropped a, a close game in the playoffs, seven, zero district champs. Um, that season was just so special. Big win over Elkins in a huge rivalry game. Uh, our, our, our principal, Tammy Edwards, a funny story is she had printed like the uh, <laughs> shake in your head there. She had, I think, printed some like uh, beat Elkins shirts and that kind of stirred up. Some, <laughs> some I, told her, I, I said, what did you do that for? <laughs> said, I don't need that pressure. She says, I ain't worried about you. So I'm glad you, you feel that way. They got some dudes over there. 
Yeah. Uh, but and, I'll never forget. I think yeah. that was the most fans I've ever seen at Hall Stadium. Absolutely. Um, bar none. And uh, they were, we were both ranked in the state top 10 and, and AP. And, and I was great for Fort Bend football right there. That, that was an incredible season. I remember playing a foster at U of H, which I just felt like was an incredibly draining, difficult game. They were really good. They were so good. Um, we we uh, went on to beat C.E. King in round two, 24 to three. I still have the article from the Chronicle, but Chronicle writer Corey Ripken uh, framed in my, in my garage. And it says, Pan it, basically the headline reads, Panthers go for it again and again. And it was talking again about your propensity that you believe in your defense and you're aggressive. And you, you went for several fourth downs in that game and trusted in the defense. So just any, any, other, any other thoughts from that season that, that you wanted to touch on? Uh, it was just a magical run, um, you know, and great, and great. I'll never forget it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of low key and I don't like all that loud rap music and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, Remo came up to me and said <laughs> at some point early on and says, you know, can we play this music in the locker room for the game? And I said, no, that's fine until we lose. And, and then no more music. Well, it kind of turned out to be, you know, we played it all like all the way until the end. Um, and I didn't go in the locker room before the game because I couldn't stand listening to that crap. But, <laughs> but whatever, whatever works, um, you know, and our guys, they were loose. Uh, I'll never forget, too, with Torian. I said, you know, I can't remember what game I said. It might have been the year before. I said, this is a business trip. Yes. And he brought a briefcase with him every game. Oh, my and goodness. I thought, man, I love that attitude. I love the personality of those kids, man. That was yeah. awesome. You're right. But, they you know, I'll never – that, that – uh, I still wake up in the middle of the night thinking about that uh, a play that we had in that Temple game where we fought back after we made some some mental busts on defense and, and you know they were really good. We made the you know should have probably won state over Alito that year, mm -hmm. um, and uh, we fight back and Remus had that long inside zone run and the, the roar of the crowd still can still hear it and then we stop them and we get the ball back and I think we're going to go down and, and get it and it was a third and long somewhere around midfield and, and um, you know, discussing the play call. And I can't remember what it was called, but it was some sort of five-step. And, and, and back in my mind, I was thinking, man, I want – they like to blitz. I want to run tailback screen. I want to run tailback screen. And, and I didn't do it. And, you know, sure enough, they send everybody. And we protected it pretty well. He stepped up in the pocket and had some guys on his legs and couldn't quite get to where he wanted to go. But it was set up for tailback screen, and if we would have hit that, I, I think we may have had a ring on our finger, and, and I apologize to all that I didn't call that. <laughs> oh, no. And that's the thing about coaching, right? We can all beat ourselves up over I, – I mean, I, I distinctly recall, like, us watching the kicker in pregame and feeling like we were, oh, we were in safe range. Dude. Yeah. So our I mean, strategy he missed, was – He missed extra points the week before <laughs> and field goals and stuff the week after, but he had his Disney moment against us. Sure, but I, and then the, the gutless official that uh, when our guy rushes off the edge and he, their guy physically puts two arms around him and sling tackles him mm -hmm. to the ground. I mean, you got to call that. I mean, right, just because sure. it's the last play of the game, don't mean everything goes. That's an NBA thing. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> you still officiate the game the same way it should always be, no matter when the whistle is. But, Sorry, uh, I had to get that in there. No, that's okay. That's <laughs> okay. You know, but that that's a great thing about our kids. Like we, I, I remember, I'm clearly remember instructing hey give cushion we just can't give a big play here we're, we're good we're good in the field goal range and they hit like a little stop and they kicked it and so they, they won the game but our kids were so coachable again for kids listening this was a special group you talk like with personalities the torian thing 
where he put on, he had a blazer, he had a blazer and a rolling suitcase. And he said, it's a business trip. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that. Um, and I remember, you know, the year before when we lost to Stratford, the way that I had taught my inside backers to play ISO, they did it exactly the way that I coached them. And I was a- unable to make that adjustment in the game to fix it. And they just were gashing us, gashing us. But again, the reason that happened was because they are so coachable. <laughs> I let them all right off a cliff, you know, so I spent that whole off season changing the way that I did it, studying that. And we had a great, you know, game plan for them the next year, but just a special season, a couple of last things I want to talk about for my, my portion at Ridgepoint. I always say this coach, I coached so many games with you over those seasons. My least favorite games was when we're playing somebody that was a heavy underdog, like the Northbrook <laughs> spring woods type games. You were, you were, I'm going to say it's the nicest way. And I, I love that you did this. You were a terror those weeks. You really were, you know, and I, I that's why I always say, I don't think, I don't think a, a coach sniffing led team is ever going to lose like a heavy upset because you are not going to let the intensity drop. Like I had to coach so much harder on those weeks. I always well, remember the spring. You, you know game, why? Which, yeah, go you ahead. Know why? Cause I wanted to get up early a lot. So all those other kids could play. Love it. I love it. Hey. And I, 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 I think that was a, a great move that you, that you did that. And I think a lot and, of people couldn't always understand it, but those those kids deserve to get out there too when they when they have the opportunity. I mean, Absolutely. when it's all said and done, we're, we're here to coach to win football games at the varsity level, so we got to play the best to get it done. Uh, but we had opportunities there when we can get those other kids in and get them lots of time. And I don't know if we had a third or a tight end scoring inside zone against one of those guys. Yeah, uh, Sage Wren. Uh, yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. But uh, yeah, no, that's why I, I was, you're right. I was probably more tense for those games because sure. for one, I wanted the execution to be perfect. And uh, two, I wanted to make sure all those other kids got a lot of time. I love it. Yeah, that's definitely something, again, for coaches listening. I mean, I, I understood it at the time, you know, it, it was stressful, but I was like, I see what he's doing. I, I get it, you know? And so that, that was really cool. I think you took some of what Coach Hume did. You were, you were an offensive coach. A lot of times you kind of challenged the defense and myself and we had some great battles, you know, in practice. So I loved it. You know, I think that was how iron sharpened iron and, you know, kudos to that moving on from the portion where I was a part of it. I then moved, I became the head coach at Aldine after that season. Again, that was you encouraging me to take a chance on myself. And I'm always, you know, thankful for that. Um, I do want to talk about Bobby Darnell though, before we move on to, you know, the newer, you know, more present portion of your career. I just thought coach Darnell, who obviously, did an awesome job at Clements this, this past season, just incredible to get them back where they were this year. I just thought he was so important to our success. He is that kind of coach. That is that mixture of like friendly kid magnet, but also will bust your butt, hold kids accountable, run those gut checks with them in the summer and, you know, put a focus on conditioning and toughness and he's doing it at Clements and you can see it. So can you just speak to coach Darnell's impact on the Ridge point football program? Well, I mean, it's immeasurable. I mean, uh, that's why I targeted him from the beginning to join us uh, because, you know, he is a kid magnet and he has that great positive energy. Um, and you needed that, especially when he was head coach at Clements. I mean, when he got there, it was still lean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you need that positive to, to come off all the time. And he's fantastic with that. And I'm so happy he got to do that this year with his two boys. Yeah. Uh, to make it even more special because that's, that's a neat deal. But, um, you know, you know, the whole staff we had here at the beginning of Ridgepoint, all, all those guys, um, that's the reason why we, we took off and that's the reason why they're still good today um, because of what they um, – excuse me, my phone ringing. There you go. Um, it, it's still the reason why, um, you know, the, the, because of those guys and the effort that they put forth 
Um, you know, Darnell was a big part of that um, and challenging those kids. And that takes a lot of pressure off the head coach when you got guys that, that can do that as well. Uh, and those kids following him and uh, you can just see what he's doing now. And, and uh, you know, he's not easy situation uh, at Clements, but uh, he made it good and, and they challenged uh, the tough teams in the district and they, you know, they put a little fight up against Katie and, and, um, and then that attitude that he has is the reason why we had good success at Rich Point too. Absolutely. So, you know, af after that season, I move on to Aldine. So I'm, this may go faster because I can't reminisce with you about, about those years after <laughs> that, but you, you then continued to win district championships five in a row, you know, five in a row total, you know, counting the first one together that we had. So just what do you want to speak to, to those years? Anything that as you look back and that you wanted to have the platform on the podcast to talk about with those seasons, because they were special ones. Um, well, it just, it continued with kids, good kids, man. I mean, <laughs> we had a run there of a fantastic and they were good athletes, but the, the, their positive attitudes for the most part, um, they're willing to do what we asked them to do. Um, just a pleasure to coach. And, you know, one thing I got spoiled with is, is being around kids that love football that, you know, you come talk to them about what they watched on the weekend and then they've watched it and they understand it and, they know the game. Um, there's something to be said for that. And so then they wanted to go out and, and be the best they could, um, you know, and, and just, and there's so many memories that fled back thinking about it. Yeah. I feel like I'm at a reunion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not even been that long, uh, but um, just those kids. Um, and I, I put this down in one of the notes, the question you asked, but I think my favorite kids, and my wife doesn't like this term, but I think it's a great term. And I call them program kids, uh -huh. kids that only played uh, varsity their senior year. Yes. Um, that stuck with you because, you know, towards the end there at Ridgepoint, we'd have kids leave us and go to a private school or give a fake address and go to another school uh, and do whatever they had to do um, because they didn't play on varsity as a sophomore. I mean, for Pete's sakes, people, we got good people. This is a good program. There's good people in front of you. Take time to learn. Uh, and, and perfect your craft and, and, and you'll do well. And so those kids that um, you, you, you tell them that spring disappointment looked on their face uh, that they didn't make varsity as a junior, as a junior, but they stuck with it and they, they matured more they got stronger and, and, you know, puberty touched them on the shoulder, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they performed well their senior year. You don't win games without those kids. Yep. Um, and uh, I love those kids. Those are my favorite type, maybe because, I'm short and fat and an underdog my whole life. So I sure. love those kinds of kids and uh, they might not see it that way or might not have seen it that way. Um, but uh, they're, they've always been my favorites. Yeah. No, I, I always remember you telling me that, you, you know, you always, I remember you saying that, that linemen develop slower offensive linemen, you know, yes. and I remember you had a string. I, mean, I remember Warren Lambert Thomas, you know, was maybe the first one, but then you had several offensive tackles. I feel like, and again, I wasn't a part of the program, so I don't remember these kids by name, you know, so, so much. But I, I feel like you had a couple kids that, you know, would play like sophomore team, JVB, and then would come in and start on the offensive line for you on these teams winning district championships. And so I always thought that was so cool, you know, to see that. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to have a couple of them now. I just had my two starting tackles here just uh, left because uh, they're they're in the military and they're, they're, their father got transferred to Virginia. Oh, okay. Right. Um, we deal with a little bit of that here, which is all another uh, ball of wax. But, um, uh, and, and, you know, linemen are the, I think, the last to develop because, you know, big kid, if they're a big kid, 
they're told their whole life to, you know, take it easy on the little guy, take it easy on the little guy. Well, you know, we don't want to just slamming your, your five-year-old nephew around, but at the same time, you know, we want you to be a little bit tough and, and get after it. And, and, um, and, you know, nobody, nobody grows up in their backyard with their hand in the three-point stance saying, well, I can't wait to kick slide right here. You know, yeah. they're all, everybody <laughs> wants to score the winning touchdown or something like that when they're kids. So they got all that practice ahead of them, but they don't have practice of actually blocking and getting after it. Um, and the kids that realize their alignment early and uh, the kids that do better, uh, that realize that this is my part of the game. This is where I fit in. Uh, and, you know, you, you appreciate those biggins. You know, you know, last thing, just kind of on your coaching style before we start talking about Belton, <laughs> you know, um, I, I always, I always say like, I felt like you, you were really a good program, an excellent program builder. You're always kind of seeing steps ahead. And I'm not talking necessarily to X's and O's I'm talking about like facilities things of that nature. I mean, you, I thought you did a really great job upgrading the facilities at Ridgepoint, you know, what we had. And I was, I was kind of say like, I felt like coach Sniffin's like playing chess and I'm playing checkers. Like I'm not seeing these moves. I, I became an athletic coordinator, nowhere near as successful. And I always felt like, you know, my best role was as a defensive coordinator. I felt like my, my talents could really shine there. And there were things that I wanted to improve on as sitting in your seat as a campus athletic coordinator. So for that campus athletic coordinator piece for, for coaches listening, what advice can you give on, on that aspect of it? So not, not any kind of X and O's, but just as the athletic coordinator, you know, handling other sports or facilities or anything you want to talk about on that piece. Well, that's, that's, that's tough because the hardest part of being an athletic coordinator are adults. I agree. <laughs> you, you, have, you, you have angry parents, you have coaches that, that take ownership in their program and they want the best for their program sure. as well. Sure, absolutely. Um, and you have to try and wear two hats where you got to take care of your program because ultimately I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get my, keep my job. If I'm the, my head coach hat doesn't work, Sure. my athletic coordinator hat could work all day. And I don't think people really care about it, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, that's the most important hat because you're affecting the most kids. Um, so, you know, I, I will say this, my style, uh, if you want to put it that way, I'm a lot more mellow now than I was. I've heard, uh, I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've heard that. And I've kind of, <laughs> I sense it too. <laughs> um, and I think that just comes, you know, with being older and sure. wiser, I guess. Sure. I feel like I don't need to sprint anywhere anymore. Yeah. Um, I think I can still walk down the hill, so to speak, and, and take care of business. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, at Ridgepoint, we had good head coaches. You know, we, once again, we started out with not so good head coaches because we could only hire from the district. Uh, so some we hit on, some we didn't hit on. Sure. Uh, and so it was difficult to uh, have conversations to have with some people, but you really got to look for what's the best interest of the kids. Um, and then there's also some unrealistic expectations for people as well, too. Um, you know, in individual sports, I've kind of maybe I'm rambling a little bit here, but oh, in individual sports, some people think that you're going to, you can just go pick uh, the best coach there is. Well, uh, a coach can make a whole lot more money giving lessons in golf or giving lessons in tennis sure. or doing some private swim thing than they can doing that in the school. Sure. Um, so you got to take the best that you can. And it's great when you find one like a Thomas Crookshank yeah. who loves golf so much yep. uh, that he can get out there and, and, and coach it at the high school level. And that's what he wants to do is watch us high school kids succeed. Um, but, it, it, and also, you know, you get, you get this hole that you have to fill and it says math on it. Uh, so now not only do you have to find a special coach, but you got to find one that has a math degree. Right. 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 And that's like finding a needle in a haystack. <laughs> right. So it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. 
You hit uh, the ball into the park of Jimmy Hammond. I'll say that much. I remember you calling me into your office for that interview. That was a that great was the, move. Uh, you don't you don't find a, a math coach that sure. coaches the top or teaches the top math class uh, in the school very often. Um, but you know, letting those coaches, um, like I said, in Coach Hume's advice, let coaches coach. You know, you can help them out and do what you got to do with them, but in, in, the, in the meantime, I do what they got to do, and that. that uh, the great thing was I was able to go down and, you know, I'm not far from there. So I was able to go down and watch uh, uh, Evelyn and, and, and Rich Point girls soccer yeah. uh, play at the state tournament this year. Uh, and I was so happy for her because that's a gauntlet getting out of there in region three and, and for her to do it finally uh, when we were so close so many years. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was excellent. And then, you know, they'll be back. I think they only lose one starter or something, uh, but she'll have them back ready to go. Uh, and then coach Welch is probably the, you know, most, I don't know, you call him underrated, but because he doesn't have any social media uh, and he doesn't talk to parents, uh, he coaches kids and he gets the best out of kids and he's done it three times now. Absolutely. Between once at Dulles and two at Ridgepoint, you know, I hope to God he gets his, gets to finish it for himself here this year. Absolutely. Because uh, he's an outstanding human being and does things the right way. Uh, so you get coaches like that and we got them here too. Uh, I got great coaches here too. So it's, it's easy to lead those people. Uh, it's the ones that, um, you know, I have trouble focusing on what's best for kids that you have to have those difficult conversations with. One more question I have, you know, for focusing on assistance, you know, one of the highest compliments you, you would give to me in our end of the year evaluations was as my role as my secondary sport. I always, I always made me feel good when you would, you know, you would talk about <laughs> I got a story about that. I, 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 yeah, I know. And I, I always tell this story of how I think people look at me crazy. And at the time I was single, like I'm, I've just recently became a father. Our time is so much less now, but there was a time when I was coaching like girls, uh, freshman basketball B team as my second sports. And, you know, we'd be going into the playoffs and I, you know, I had, we had a certain report time at the field house and I'd always ask you, coach, do you mind if I go to this basketball scrimmage? I'll, I'll still be there on time, but I don't want my team hang, hanging out to dry. And I think everybody looked at me like Kobo's crazy, <laughs> but um, well, the worst part was I was there watching you one game and yeah, you held them to like zero points for like the first six minutes. And then the other team scored, you pound your foot on the floor and goes, there goes the shutout. <laughs> it's basketball, dude. There's nobody, there's no shutouts in basketball. I brought and that I defensive like, coordinator mentality for sure. Like, I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I, we, I love basketball and I, I, you knew that uh, he's like, Kobo's always requesting basketball as a second sport. You know, that was my thing. I loved it. And I, we just worked on defense coach. I mean, on honestly offense, there was no scheme. There was no nothing. We just, I worked on defense the entire time, but we did, we did pretty good. But um, you know, now I, I think back, you know, I mentioned Jimmy Hammond, Phil Dober. Um, those were guys that, that were with on the defensive side of the ball with myself that I just built such a close relationship with. And even, you know, Rick LaFavors came in that, that great year and he was just such a great addition, but you, you build those close relationships with your assistants, you know, your, your peers, your comrades, I feel like if I were ever able to, if, if someone ever called me out of retirement and said, Kobo, you're the head coach, you know, I would, I would always want like guys like coach Dober, coach Hammond, you know, those, those people that you want. And you had that unique opportunity that you went to Belton and you were able to get Barry Campbell, you know, who's a coach that I respect so much, you know, was a, just a, so successful at Kingwood and just a nice person. I'll never forget when I, my first year at Clements, he and I would paint the, the, the JV locker room together. And I just remember just painting with him in the summer and him just telling stories. And he's just a salt of the earth kind of person. So I imagine that's similar to how I feel about Jimmy and Phil. So just can you describe what it's been like to have such a trusted, you know, friend and colleague to help you start your, your new adventure at Belton? 
Yeah, well, I mean, he he, he called me uh, when I got the job because you know he wanted to step away from the the you know the hustle and bustle of, of being a head coach and it, like I said, or athletic coordinator. It's a difficult thing to do to try and make all those people happy. Sure. And, and so you know, obviously, working with him before, I, I knew what kind of guy he was. Uh, so we took him. Uh, and also, you know, I got to bring Chris Harbin, um, which you didn't cross paths with Chris Harbin there at uh, Ridge okay. Point, but, uh, you know, I brought him. He was a linebacker coach for us and then got to be the defensive coordinator. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, our last few years there. And, and uh, just having those two around is, is awesome because you have to have your, your right and left hand uh, to make sure everybody is doing uh, what your vision is and what the team's vision is. And, and uh, those guys do a fantastic job. And, and, you know, I feel like we're heading in the right direction here and also dropping down to five AD too. Uh, <laughs> I saw that realignment. And I just, well, that's like, where yeah. it's where we need to be. I mean, yeah. and you'll, we're, I'm on the other end now of his new school opening. Uh, sure. So when you take, and it was a little bit different than Ridge point, they took a lot. Yeah. Um, so uh, we needed to be where we needed to be and, and they've done a good job. Uh, well, we, UIL did a good job of getting us down there. where We needed to be. Uh, and these guys are doing a good job of getting us uh, built and where they where, where we can be. You talked about how, you know, how special it was for Coach Darnell to coach his sons, Micah and Marcus, all district players this year for the Clements Rangers. And you had a similar experience with your sons, uh, Jake and Joe. I have fond memory. I didn't get to see Joe play quite so much just the way that it shook out. But I remember seeing Jake play the first team all district player as a safety. I remember driving out to Stallworth Stadium in Baytown, watching him play in the Bayou Bowl. And what just what was that experience like to be a dad? And to get to coach your kids at that, the highest levels. Well, it's tough because some people send you nasty emails and say they're playing because they're your son, and mm. you know that's not the reason. Uh, I, as you well know, I spend most of my time concentrating on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, these are defensive kids. That's right. I know, you know, and but um, uh, I learned a lot from Jake to enjoy Joe more. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, to put it that way. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember when, uh, Jake was, you know, Jake was never big, uh, you know, college has helped him, but, uh, mm -hmm. he wasn't when he played. Mm -hmm. Um, so I asked Jimmy, um, Hammond, I said, are you sure he can play varsity, uh, his junior year? And, and Jimmy was like, yes, he can. Uh, so he, he was a lot like those plummet safeties I talked about that uh -huh. wasn't the most gifted athletically, but knew where to be. Uh, and then, you know, he had a shoulder injury that stuck with him. And his whole senior year, every once in a while, he'd make a tackle and that pain would shoot down his arm. And he'd run off the field and shake it out and then run right back on when he when he could do it again. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's kind of toughness you want on any football player. But it makes you proud as a father as well uh, that he was able to do that. Uh, and then Joe, um, I don't know if you know this, but his senior year, he tore his ACL in the scrimmage. Oh, uh, wow. Second time he tore his freshman okay. year at Ridgepoint, yeah. so he tore his uh, ACL. Um, and before that, he was, uh, you know, practicing and tearing people up uh, down here um, in yeah. practice. And so he played his whole um, senior year with a torn ACL in his knee at linebacker, and uh, I don't think anybody understands the toughness that happens wow. unless they've had a torn ACL. And you see those guys on the crutches walking around, and yeah, you know that Joe and. and, and and he would come off the field every once in a while limping too. And he, we thought, well, there goes the meniscus. So he's done. But I don't know how, by, by glory of God, yeah, never tore any meniscus. 
Incredible. The whole season. Uh, he had no ACL, but his meniscus was there doing the work of an ACL, along with his thigh muscle. Um, so he led the tackle, led us in tackles uh, with that. Um, wow. So that makes you proud, too. Um, and, you know, he, he's battled back and gotten a lot bigger and stronger and uh, got get to see him in the spring game this year at college. And Yeah. Uh, like me and his mom said, I was just glad to see him play on two good legs again. And if yeah. that's the best we get, that's the best we get because uh, he kicked some butt there too. So that was – Got a sack in the spring game, yep. Yeah, he did. It was it was good to see. So coaching your, your sons, um, I'll never forget Jake uh, blocked a punt. Uh, DeCaney, spring DeCaney, blocks a punt. And, and um, you know, I, I run like halfway there to celebrate with him. Then I had to turn around and like get the offense ready to get back on the field. Yeah. Uh, so – uh, then Joe gets a pick six uh, against Dallas, you know, same type of big play type thing. And this time I said, I'm learning from Jake. I'm going to go celebrate with my son when I can uh, for a minute. Uh, these guys, uh, yep. the rat. so like I said, you know, Jake had a little tougher uh, and then Joe got a little easier because uh, I learned how to, to, to manage that, but uh, very special times for sure. You know, my hope for this podcast is that obviously I think coaches are going to be attracted to this, but I really want parents to listen as well. And I always ask this question to my guests. I see so many great parents out there. I mean, you've, you've seen so many great parents you've connected with, but every now and then you do see the ones that just bring the negativity into it. And I think that they're limiting the experience for their kids. And so for any parent listening to this show, what, what advice can you give? Cause you, you've been a parent, you've been a football parent, you know, what advice can you, and you've dealt with football parents that are sending nasty emails. So what advice can you give as a parent? What should they be doing to allow their kid to have the maximum, you know, maximum athletic experience? Well, I read an article, um, I don't know, a while back and I even shared it with our parents once. Um, and it said, you know, this is, goes back to watching your kid play soccer as a little kid don't don't when they come back in the car don't tell them everything they did wrong yeah you know or how the coach screwed you or, or whatever just tell them i love you and tell yeah. them I, I love to watch you play i love to watch you participate i love to see you do this i love to see you do that i love the way you cheered your teammates on i like the way you ran to the ball i like the way you gave a high five when you got subbed out you know tell them all that and for me, uh, I, I tried. It was hard because <laughs> I want to go to the, you know, I want to go in coach mode and change sure. everything. Uh, but I think as a parent, if you just if you just do that, um, man, I, I think it go a long way uh, for these kids because not every kid's going to have the football in their hand. Not every kid's going to score the points. Uh, everybody has a role on a team. Celebrate whatever that role is, and make sure that they do that role to the best of their ability, and then good things will happen. But don't 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 blame somebody else for the in you know for the non-stardom of your kid because in the end of the day there's a lot of factors that go into that. Sure, genetics is one, luck is another. <laughs> um, you know, personality, hard work of the kid. Um, some of it's coaching as well, uh, but um, just just love your kid. You know, one thing that I recall from you, and I I mean, you you have the reputation as a a hard driving coach. I know you say you've mellowed, you know, in more recent years, but you, you were known, you know, as a tough coach. And I always remember you would tell us in the office, if you, if you choose some kid's butt out there on the practice field, the thing that I expect from you is that you're waiting in the, in the weight room to catch them on their way out to talk, give them a hug and tell them you love them. Just, just everything you just said to, to hit them with that positivity. So can you just, for young coaches listening, 
you know, that do jump on a kid. Can you, can you just elaborate a little bit on, on that thought process? Yeah. I mean, you want the, the kid to end the day in a positive experience, um, at least. And, and, and sometimes even if you get on a kid, they don't know why. Um, so you just got to you know, let them know. And so, you know, at Ridgepoint, we were able to sit in the weight room and, and see them all as they left because that's the way they left. Uh, yeah, so my first day here, I, I try to do that. And I find out that there's like various ways to get out of here. <laughs> so uh, I can't, I couldn't see them all. So instead of that, I, I stand at the door in the morning. We practice in the morning as we start school late. Uh, I stand there in the door in the morning and I greet them all as they come in. That's awesome. So I can't see them all when they leave, but I can at least say hello to them or hi to them. Good morning to them as they come in and do that. But I just, you know, when we go in between the white lines, it's work. It's it's getting after it because I'll say it once, I'll say it a thousand times. That fun in football, you need to win. Yeah, um, it's not fun losing. Sure, uh, you can have some good times and some laughs out there, but uh, you win, you have some fun. Uh, so we're going to work our tails off to get that done. Um, but outside the white lines, you know, we love you. Uh, you're going to come here and bust your butt for us, and we want you to know that we love you. Uh, and and I may get on you, but I still love you. I just like I would my son. So I do it a little different here, but uh, it's still, I want to make sure that each kid hears something positive. I keep saying one more question, but I keep adding them because I, I got two more. Well, you didn't uh, even ask me any questions that you gave me here. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> all right. I, it's good because we have so many shared experiences. I'll never forget that year when our good group of kids were juniors and we had really high expectations and it wasn't the same level of beat down against Clear Creek in the opening game like it was the year before, but we didn't meet the expectation. And I'll never forget that when we got back to the field house after that game, you called a coaches only meeting after the kids had showered and left inside of our defensive meeting room. And it was essentially what, what I would coin as like a come to Jesus type meeting. And after that, I mean, I, I, everything felt, it changed in my eyes. You know, we went good on good. You, you had that segment where we'd start practice good on good. And just so just can use for, for coaches that are experiencing that where you have high expectations coming into the season, you lay a little bit of a dud in that first week. I, I kind of feel like you kind of saved the season because we were, we were so down, our morale. Can you just speak to your thought process there and what you observed after that meeting? Well, I was just worried because we didn't play physical. Yeah. And I don't want to get out physical. Um, I never want to get out physical. You might outrun me and do everything else, but don't try not to out physical my team. Um, and we, we did. We did. We did not play well. And so we had that meeting. And I wanted to hear everybody's ideas of what we need to do to be physical. And, you know, during the season, we try to save bodies and less stuff. But you guys said that we needed to, to do ones-on-ones. So we put a segment in ones-on-ones. And, and then after that, the kids got used to the speed of it and uh, got after it. And it, it really did. Uh, it, we improved a lot uh, from there going forward. And this last question, before we get to the fun stuff that I, that I wrote, that I, we, we talked oh, about. Okay. We're still going to do, do the rankings. But, uh, you know, um, for all my good friends at Tasso, you also had a <laughs> reputation as a terror on the officials. <laughs> And so I would always joke when I was at Aldean and we were doing, you know, the, the pregame and I was okay. I don't let my, my mentors, you know, reputation precede me. I'm going to be really nice. Oh, tonight. We'd kind of have a little joke there. Have you laid off on the officials as well? Is that all? Yes. <laughs> but I, I will tell you this, um, my, my biggest gripe and, and I've gotten better because I understand that these guys have a terrible job, but my biggest gripe is, is everybody that, on the field work seven days a week at, at what they're doing out there. And some of them don't. Mm -hmm. um, so just, if you do that, you know, just be mindful and respectful for that, for us that do yeah, uh, and get after it. But yeah, I've gotten better. And, you know, I, 
I think the, the officials that knew me understood that yeah. on there. Norman Richardson's my favorite official. Norman uh, was and, my guy at Aldi. He would always cater my uh, our banquets. He's also a great. So, oh yeah, he's a great cook. You're right. <laughs> he, he, he's a workaholic, but uh, yeah, I'll never forget. I don't know. Second time I had him, whatever. He reaches in his pocket and he hands me a mint, and he tells me to cool off, <laughs> uh, and I just start laughing. Uh, so I, Norman knew how to handle me. Um, yeah, and uh, and I always tell the kids too. And if you ever notice, none of my players ever argued with officials. Yeah, because I said there's only one person that can talk to officials, and that's me. I will, if I think you've been wronged, I will represent you uh, and we'll talk about it. Uh, but to, you don't get that choice. And, and uh, I think um, I think the kids is, the, the appreciate the fact that I'll go to bat for them. Um, yes. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. Uh, but I will go to bat for them uh, if I feel they've been wrong. But, <clears throat> you know, and some of the stuff I, I did when I was younger, it's probably stupid. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't need to you know, go that crazy, but, uh, walk between white lines. I'm a, I'm a competitor and that's what I'm going to do, but, uh, uh, no, a lot better here. That's for sure. Now we just got done with the FCA victory bowl, uh, where I was coaching, uh, this all-star game and, uh, their first touchdown, they, you know, kid pushes right in the small of the back of ours and makes the catch. <laughs> so a little bit of that competitiveness came out in me. And then I looked up and saw the FCA on their shirts and I thought, well, I better, <laughs> I better dial her back down here. Uh, but, uh, but I, like I said, I, you know, nine times out of 10, I was doing it to, to, you know, defend our kids um, yep. yeah, as far as that goes. And so they wouldn't have to. All right. This is this is the last part of the show. We kind of, this, you know, no more formal questions, just kind of get to know you a little bit, have a little bit of fun. I always ask favorite teams. I mean, I know you're a big Iowa Hawkeyes fan. I know you're a Vikings fan and it, it felt to me like you were kind of becoming a Texans fan, but it, any other, just, just to get to know you better, any uh, sports teams that, that you're fond of? Yeah, well, I've always been a Vikings fan, but I like the Texans because they were they were born when I was in Houston, so right. I'm a hometown kind of guy. Uh, and th- I think probably the thing that surprised people is I'm a U.S. men's national team soccer fan. Love it. Uh, I try to watch them as, yeah. as much as I can when they're on. Uh, sometimes I'll have an iPad and watching it while my wife's watching some other show. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it goes back to being youth and and watching the Olympics. I, I just feel like anytime you can watch your country, people represent your country. Uh, in a sporting event, I think that's a pretty cool deal. Um, and to watch one of ours, uh, Bryce Dedman, do that. Absolutely. Um, yep. Tremendous. Totally agree with you, 100%. So, yeah, I, I was not aware of that, and I love it. I'm, I'm with you with that 100%. All right, we're getting into the start bench cut portion. I usually, this is where I'll ask you to, which we're, we're going to modify it for, for, for what we're about to do here. But the start bench cut portion is brought to you by our good friends at MVP Marketing Group. I was able to secure a sponsor coach. So this oh, wow, this you podcast, got a sponsor for this now. <laughs> we are moving here. Uh, a turnkey marketing solution for schools. Uh, you can go to their website. They got a testimonial from a longtime Denton Ryan head coach, Joey Florence, current Denton ISD uh, AD. He's a big fan of the uh, MVP Marketing Group. He uses their services. Give a call to the CEO, Mike Voglar. He's actually a good friend of mine, worked together at Dactronics. Now he's got his own marketing company. Just reach out to him. He'll tell you what he does, see if it's a fit for you. And if you mention Coach Kobo sent you, he'll, he'll work in a little discount for you. All right. So in the past, we do start bench cuts. We've even done Mount Rushmore's, like a top four. But I'm like, nah, we need, we need a top five for this. For all our Ridgepoint guys listening, coaches, players, you know, Mike Obie's a fellow podcaster like myself. I know he'll be tuning into this episode. You know, what – Obes. If you oh, if, if you had to pick a top five from Ridge from all the kids you coached at Ridgepoint, you've had some great teams. This is this is really difficult. <laughs> what you're about to have to do, I'm buying some time for you in case you have any last minute thoughts about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
we're not going to count Jake and Joe, because obviously those are your kids. We know they're coming with you wherever you start your new program. But if you had to start a new program and you could pick any five kids from your time at Ridgepoint, who would they be and, and why? <laughs> well, that's, that's not fair because all those guys are my kids. So Sure, yep. But, you know, you gave me this beforehand, so I, you, you know, I cheated a little bit. So I, I, I wanted to add, to this is that. a tough one. I had to give you, I had to give you beforehand. <laughs> but um, I definitely got to go, excuse me, uh, Chad Bailey. Um, yes. Uh, just a rock, uh, yep. great kid, uh, sense of humor, um, it relates well with adults. Um, you know, his, his play speaks for itself. Um, either, you know, when he ran the ball in short distance, and uh, obviously the outside and inside linebacker when he played there, mm-hmm. um, to me, maybe one of the better players we've ever had for sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad um, it's working out for him. I'm proud that he never jumped into the transfer portal when he had chances uh, with injuries and position coach changes and coordinator changes at, at Missouri. Uh, and he got to start uh, most of the year last year and actually beat out people. Uh, now this year, uh, hopefully he's um, going to be one of their top dogs over there. Uh, but uh, definitely Chad, for sure. Great pick. Um, uh, this one, uh, Terry Petrie. TP. Uh, TP was a, yeah. uh, sometimes a thorn on the side. We get him to do some things. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, his athletic ability was probably second to none. Uh, definitely the fastest kid I've ever coached on a football field. Yeah. Um, and, you know, probably should have played him on offense more than defense, to be honest with you. I think that one year he, like 50% of his touches were for touchdowns. Um, uh, I remember his freshman year, uh, we're playing um, MacArthur up there in Aldine. Yep. That's right. And he catches one, I think it was the last play of the game or something, and he takes it 109 to the house his freshman year. And then some official throws a flag. The score was already out of hand. Sure. But, yeah. You know, take it away from the poor kid. But, um, you know, TP had some electric in him when he had the ball in his hands. Um, no doubt about it. And he, he could bail you. I mean, he bailed in the year we went to state semis. I mean, he, we play um, uh, LeBlanc and Calhoun, Calhoun first round. And, you know, yeah. how their offense was very difficult to stop. And we throw two little hitches out to Terry and he goes 90 plus on both of them. <laughs> yeah. Kind of saved our, our, our skins there. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was a good kid to have with us. This is, this is fun so far because I, I didn't say much on Chad Bailey because he was a freshman my last year. So I didn't get to know him, but I definitely saw what he was doing. I think that's a great pick. Love Chad and TP. I got to know a little bit better. Uh, he was a part of my crew that I would, you know, him and Kaiser St. Cyr, I'd bring with me you know, uh, Steve, Stephen Butler, you know, those guys, I got to get to know TP quite a bit. I'll never forget coming into his freshman year, he came to, to summer fitness and he was doing those gut checks of coach Darnell and myself. And I just, I just saw something there. Like he's just blowing away everybody in these gut checks. And I knew he was special. And everything he said was so accurate. So you're off to a good start. So Chad Bailey, Terry <laughs> Petrie. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> next goes the receivers to uh, John Paul Richardson. Yeah. Richardson who ended up having a, a pretty good, end of his freshman year at uh, Oklahoma State this year. Uh, but John Paul was probably the most natural receiver uh, when his freshman year, he played varsity as a freshman as well. And we're playing Houston Lamar in the playoff game. Uh, and, and Aaron Allen kind of connected with him because John Paul as a, as a freshman had the natural ability to know where to run routes to get open. Yeah. A lot of guys, when you teach them receiver, they, you know, you tell them the route, they're going to run that route. 
sometimes the defense actually puts people over there on the other side of the ball to stop you from running that. Yeah. But John Paul had the knack to, to do it. And, and John Paul's also a kid. I'll mention another one here next that practiced so hard that we had to limit his practice because when he ran around, he ran as hard as he could every time. Yeah. Uh, and I would love for people to see that on film. That's a reason why he had success at Oklahoma state people. Yeah. Um, because he goes hard every time and in practice as well. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I try to get kids here to understand that as well. If you run your route as hard as possible, every time you're going to get open and people are going to throw you the ball. Um, so John Paul did that. And then, you know, his dad for being the stature of his dad and, and, and you know, famous or whatever you want to call it, uh, probably one of the most pleasurable parents I've ever had a, the, to coach their kid to, um, yeah. you know, he, obviously he knows a lot about the game of football, but he trusted us never once interfered with anything we ever did. Amen. No suggestions, no calls, no nothing. Just how can I help you uh, with that? And that was also a pleasure to have as well. Uh, next is another kid that practiced hard 100% of the time. And that's Travis Bruffy. Bruffy, uh, okay. Bruffy plays, uh, had a great career at Texas Tech and then had a cup of coffee there with the Packers. Yeah. Uh, but Bruffy, um, I remember his going into his junior year, um, our principal calls me and says, uh, Bruffy's here with his dad and they want to transfer him to, to a private school to play just baseball. <laughs> so I jumped out of my chair and ran down there and between uh, Tammy and myself, I don't know what we said, but we were able to convince him to stay. And, yeah. You know, at six, seven, um, unless you're Randy Johnson, <laughs> you know, he was going to get a, a college scholarship for free playing football, which he did. Right. And, and then he learned how to practice so hard that um, nobody wanted to go against him. Uh, the scout team, they would like, Oh God, it's, it's Bruffy. I got to line up on Bruffy's side. Cause he would bury him. Yeah. I mean, not in a mean, nasty, bullyish way. He would just yeah. do his job and, and actually, kids got better uh, going against him after a while, the ones that tried. Uh, but uh, Travis, the way he practiced was uh, awesome. And then, you know, you got to have an offensive lineman to anchor you. Absolutely. Um, and the last kid, and, and there, I mean, this was very difficult. Absolutely. Me. And I don't want to make anybody mad because I love a lot of them. Yeah. But uh, Dennis Osagade, probably. Yeah. Great, uh, great call. The last one. And, and, and I got to pick a guy who made his mother move from one school to our school so he could go to school at Ridgepoint. That's awesome. Uh, and he made his mother do that, and she did it uh, so he could play uh, in purple. And uh, obviously, you know, he had a great career for us, a three-year starter on the mm -hmm. defensive line, and has had a fantastic college season. I got calls from all over the country this year as he's a graduate transfer from SFA, um, and he picked Liberty over um, a number of um, Power 5 schools. Uh, so I think there's a good chance that maybe after this year, if he plays, continues to do what he's doing, uh, he can get that chance. He didn't get much of a chance coming out of high school because they all, you know, I never understand college recruiters. They're, they're the stupidest people in America. NFL doesn't care about your size. They look at production. But college recruiters, you have to be a certain size. So everybody kept telling me Dennis Osaka is short. Well, he's the same height as Aaron Donald. Yeah, uh, right. Not comparing him to Aaron Donald. He's not there, but – uh, he's got a motor uh, and he's just a little bit shorter than what they have on paper that they want. Uh, but now he's proven everybody, you know, wrong uh, by going out there and having a heck of a career uh, in college. But, um, you know, he put, you know, I just, I'll never forget uh, when I found that story out um, that he did that, that, that was uh, something else, but, you know, I, I could name a hundand more. Oh, I know. I know. Sure. I and like I talked about the kids that, um, 
were on JV for three years and then started their senior year uh, like a Trey Brock and then went yeah. on to you know be his college's all-time leading receiver. Yep. Uh, guys like that are just very special to me and, and, and our staff. Absolutely, man. To take those five to start a program, you, you would definitely have a, a state title contender on your hands. And I was just curious if you wanted to, because you also to recognize, you know, your, your kids at Clements, I know you're very close with, or maybe even kids from Lamar Con or kids you now at Belton as if, if you had to do, do a top five as well from, from that pool, <laughs> well, who would you pick? Oh, dude, man, you're killing me. <laughs> well, I got to pick Kyle Hoke. Because he, he's just hilarious. Um, and, uh, you know, he's helped out, you know, he's coaching at, at San Diego state now, and, yep. uh, having a heck of a career there and making a name for himself now as a coach. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was fantastic. Um, other Clements kids, man, between Reed Curry and, oh yeah. Heitzer, Matt Heitzer, um, Morgan Moses was hilarious. Oh yeah. Uh, especially when his tooth was out and then the way the strap. <laughs> Way the Stratford fans gave him heck over there on the sideline, and he was egging him on. That was awesome. Uh, those are great kids, man. Um, you know, here I, you know, I don't, I'm still here, so I don't want to sure. Well, we don't want to stir that pot. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's definitely some kids here too that have, have believed in us uh, and, and 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 buying into what we're doing, especially now. You know, some kids we've had for three years now. That's um. Uh, that, that understand what we're about and, and trust us and believe in us that know that we love them and are going to make the best decision for them. Uh, so I see some good things coming from these guys. Well, coach, I mean, talking to you for this past 90 minutes, just brought back so many great memories. Even those kids from Clements, I just, they, they make me happy too. Just thinking back on those guys, of course, the Ridgepoint kids, you know, and this has been long overdue. I've been wanting to bring you on, but I wanted to make sure that this is a quality podcast. I was like, oh, let me get some <laughs> more episodes under my belt. I wanted a two-parter. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, was there anything else that, that, that we missed that you, that you talked about? We, uh, I would love to hear it. No? No, no. We're, we're good. Yeah, no, this was great, uh, Coach. Um, if, if, if you enjoyed today's episode like I did, please take a moment to give us a five-star review. This helps more people find the show. Hit the follow button to subscribe and hear new episodes as soon as they come out each week. Follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kobo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O for all the latest team player podcast updates. If you're loving team player podcast, let, we want to hear about it. Send us an email at teamplayerpodcast@gmail.com. We take we take guest suggestions or anything. Just please reach out to us. Let us know how we can do better. As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players that I'm so proud of and I love so much. The cover art's by Kaiser St. Cyr, which and he was just at my house this weekend. There, there you go. <laughs> that is awesome. So Kaiser, definitely a Ridge Point legend. Someone you you are. I couldn't awesome. pick Kaiser either, by the way, because he is my third child. Yeah, yep. Kaiser is also considered your child. Um, so Kaiser, Kaiser did a great job of the artwork. And then our intro and exit music is the song One More Good Enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. His, that's Dominique Williams, the former Clement standout, played at Midwestern State. Uh, you know, you can find all of his music uh, by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach, thank you so much for everything you did for me in my career. Always appreciated, you know, your leadership, your, your, the mentoring you gave me, the tough love you gave me. You definitely, you know, were, were tough, but that only, that only made me better. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. It was fun talking about it. And I hope the, the 112 people that listen to this uh, have, <laughs> uh, enjoy it. But I, I think it's a cool deal. Um, I'm a big podcast listener. I think you can. Uh, it's kind of reminds me of um, and I'm not this old, but like old time radio when they had radio yeah. shows uh, back in the day. And you can 
just listen to people talk or tell a story and stuff like that. And I think that's, um, it was a lost art and I think we got it back and it's one good thing of technology. Um, so and I think it's cool. Totally agree, coach. And yeah, we, we got a, we got a pretty loyal fan base at this love and it just like what you described. So we're going to keep going. Thank you so much to all the team players out there for your support. And we'll catch y'all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy, initially ain't do it voluntarily But now I got a legacy, 